big rocks and all that sort of thing. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Company. Here comes the seagull. Always on the run. Starting to be flies <laughs> always in the sky. sky. Seventies yeah. man. That's why they call me the, the dealer. Bob the deal dealer. Right. Um, just saying before we came on, uh, Paul Rogers once told me how you know, like at the beginning of bad the song "Bad Company." I'm keeping. <laughs> Bad company, that one. Yes. Yeah. Yes, but before he gets to that, yeah, you hear him. I said, "Why do you do that?" He goes, "I always do that. The yeah. start of every song." I do so that before before you record. Before every song, yeah, anything. Really, I find it works. Yeah. So if I said to you, "Living on a prayer," mm-hmm. how would you begin that? Mm-hmm. How? Just <laughs> say that again. I don't know. Paul Rogers taught me it. Oh, okay. You just, yeah, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. Okay, well, welcome to the that's John why, Hotton podcast. That's probably why Paul Rogers is a decent singer and John Bon Jokey isn't. Yeah, and why I I straddle all genres. Exactly, like a giant... Straddling yeah. thing. Like a giant genre straddling thing. Yeah. Have you noticed how Welsh people say genre? No. Genre. Do they? They can't help it. Yeah, just slips out. I often scream at the radio, it's not genre, it's genre. Genre. Yeah. 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 Right, so here we are, John. Uh, that's John Hotton over there, the famous Johnny James. Yes. Hot, yes. Featuring yes. Johnny James. Uh, and me, uh, Mick, the dealer wall. Yeah. Right. So, John, uh, I'm going to... Uh, Keep talking. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I need to check your levels. I Keep talking. I hadn't started talking. Yes, we'll start talking, and I'm gonna tell you. Oh no, you've got the list, haven't you? So let's start talking. Love Magnum. That's one of theirs. Came to my head there. Somebody said here that back in our Get Your Rocks Off days, I can't find it. Said um, we once promised. We promised many things. It said the. Okay, a Nearly Men of Rock American edition. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, we promised that. We promised to do a special about the rainbow. Yeah, I like that. A double episode on Marillion. A double? Yes. What was that? I, a I, double episode? I would episode. definitely have promised that. A double episode? And uh, one on Doc McGee, which you kept refusing to do because you think he's going to give you money. No, give me and money? Doug, Good Lord. Doug Goldstein, Alan Niven. We should do the Niv. The Niv's amazing. We should do the Niv, the but Niv. you know we will be the recipient of several exceedingly long emails. Yeah, but the Niv's, the Niv's a great guy. Okay, well, do you want to do that? The Niv. Well, oh. do, we could talk briefly about the Niv, and then we could talk about the news. I think if we, do, if we do specials, we've got to set them up properly. We don't just like, oh, let's just do that. I mean, we've never worked any other way. It's like we've never your, gone set them up. Like one of your Karen features. Oh, I'll just put that. Yeah. Just put that. It yeah. Matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't like, matter. Yeah. That's right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, hang on. When you say set them up, how much setting well, up have you and gonna, I done over the years? Exactly. I think that's our problem to be. You to think we've got a problem? Oh, we've got frank. a problem. Yeah. Oh, that's good yeah. to know. We've got a yeah. problem. Yeah. I think that Perhaps is we should our bring in a relationship <laughs> counsellor. <laughs> Like Motley Crue Perhaps and Bon we should. Jovi. Perhaps we should, because it worked for them. <laughs> worked real good. Yeah, along yeah. with the adjustment in wages. Yeah. yeah. Um, right, so what are we doing the Niv? Or are we doing the Nearly Men of American Rock? 
Well, who are the nearly men of American rock? Well, I think because we did a whole thing, didn't we, on like Dogs to Moor and people like that <laughs> in the UK. Yeah. In America, there's still loads Millions, of them. There's yeah. loads. They're still going, most of them. Warrant. Oh, no, they kind of made it, didn't they? Well, sort of. But Cherry Pie. Yeah, they did, I suppose, yeah. Which is in no well, way want, a rip-off of Pour Some Sugar if I'm, on Me. If I'm doing any of those, I want to do the Marillion double episode. Oh, fucking hell. The double really? event. Really? The double event. Do most people even know who they are no, anymore? No, I don't think so. No, no. Well we, could do, well, we could talk about the rainbow. Let's talk about the rainbow. Okay. That's what someone wanted to see. We don't think that's easier than the Niv needs, you know, it needs a bit of thought. I need to, I need to remember my best Niv stories. Oh, okay, okay. You, you need know? a bit of time. Yeah, that's what I mean by setting up. Like, don't just lay it on me. Oh, I talk about Alan Niven. I need to think about the Niv, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about what I'm going to say before we do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Enormous amount the of The listenership research. can tell. Yeah, Absolutely. Or as you like to refer to them, the callers. Yeah, Thank, callers. Thanks to the callers. <laughs> Thank you, callers. Yeah. <laughs> right. What are we doing? The the, the, the rainbow. rainbow. Okay. You know, club well, in LA. I, I'll, I'll I'll start. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you you please do. <laughs> only because let's I went there the before ha- you. Let's break the habits of a lifetime. I, wow. Oh yeah. Right. Because you never <laughs> poor you you <laughs> never get a word in edgeways, no. do you? No, no. Right, let's see how long it is before you jump in immediately here. Look, because I was the first one of us to go there. I first went there in October 1980. Yeah, well, I mean, I was still at school. You can laugh, I was. No, I know you were. I know you were. Go to bed with your teddy, (laughs) hot milk, mama. Did Nanny used to tuck you in? Yeah. You and Jacob, Reese Mogg. Yeah, me and Sixtus. That's what his kid's called, Sixtus. They call him Sixtus? Yeah, he's got a kid called Sixtus. Oh, he's got a kid called Sixtus? Yeah. yeah. Sixtus? Yeah, because he was his sixth child. So they called him Sixtus? Yeah. That's kind of like a Nicky Sixtus, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is a bit Nicky Sixtus. Yeah. He should change his name. Yeah, do, I do wish a I Latin, my kids one, Do two a Latin three. concept album, yeah. Nicky Six, yeah. Nicky Sixtus. Did you see in Jacob Reese's handwritten resignation letter? Yes. He didn't put the date. He put St. Crispin's Day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, they, I mean, <laughs> you know. Is that what you do? Well, well, all Englishmen, what is it, should be a bed, should think themselves accursed who are a bed upon this night. <sighs> The St. Crispin's Day speech, isn't it? That's what I presume he was alluding to. I hadn't. I just thought he was alluding to the fact that he was a posh Tory yeah. twat. <laughs> well, that's why you miss all of the signs. I miss the subtle. You miss the signs and what they're trying to say. What their actuality. Yes, yeah. yes. So, October 1980, my very first trip to America, I'm 22. And I had, for my sins, been the London PR for Black Sabbath, the Black Sabbath that Ronnie James Dio had just joined and released Heaven and Hell. A good Black Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah, no, they were great, yeah. I mean, it's interesting that, as a very... See, that was pretty quick. What was that? (laughs) 11 seconds. But it's just the way that Heaven and Hell has come to be regarded as maybe the greatest Black Sabbath album. It's just interesting. Let's not talk about that now. But Yeah, not by me. No. Because I think it's a generational thing. I, I think it's like, who's your favourite right. James yeah. Bond? You yeah, know? I think you're right. Who's your yeah. favourite Doctor Who? Yeah. Just depends where your entry point is. And, and you're right. I know, uh, I would say the vast majority of people I know that are interested in this music that are of your generation. Absolutely, Heaven and Hell is the one. And it is a fantastic album. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, I'd worked with a lot of bands and had a wonderful time, but I found them at that age, 21, 22, I found them really difficult, very hard. And at the end of it all, um, I'd left. And then right out of the blue, I was working as a dishwasher in a burger joint in Ealing. And out of the blue, Paul Clark, who was their tour manager in those days, I think I'd back living at my mum and dad's. I was really on my uppers. And he must have rung my home and they must have given him the number of... Because in those days, there's no texting. You've got to phone someone. So he phones the restaurant. And about 10 at night, they're like, it's a phone call. That never happened. Anyway, I go, it's Paul ringing from America. Uh, We want you to come to New York, bring uh, some music journalists... 
and uh, we're doing two nights at Madison Square Garden. I'm going to, I'll ring you later with the details. And I was like, oh, hmm. all right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, no Can I idea. just finish the uh, shift? Washing up. I just, yeah, 10 yeah. quid a night I was getting. Yeah. Don't knock it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so off I go to New York. We've talked about this before. But at the end of that trip, Sabbath carry on their tour. And I was with Pete Mikowski, the late, great Pete Mikowski. And um, who had been to America before and knew how it all worked. And we just stayed on. I mean, I didn't realise yeah. within a few years, me and Ross would turn this into an art form. At the time, it just felt like the biggest scam ever. Yeah, We were just going around interviewing people we had no intention of ever writing a story about in exchange for more nights at the hotel, you know. And then at the end of that week, uh, Kelly Pike, if you remember Kelly yeah, Pike. Yeah, no, I remember Kelly, yeah. She was the press officer at A&M Records who had split ends, who had just had their one big hit. And it turned out, she said, I can arrange for you to go to San Francisco if you do a story on them for Sounds magazine. I said, I don't know. And then she said, I've spoken to them. They've said yes. And I've gone, okay, okay yeah. I'll go to so off I go to see San Francisco. My way clear. I could see my way clear to going to the JFK First Class Lounge. <laughs> <laughs> can you get me a car um and uh so i get there never been there either they play the Fillmore, and uh that's interesting and then they're going on to la do you want to come on to la yeah yeah i mean i was sleeping in a in a camp bed at my mum and dad's you know yeah. what am i gonna do go to la and um they're doing a couple of nights at the whiskey a go-go but we're staying at the sunset marquee the Losers Hilton. The Losers Hilton, which it really yeah. was in those days. Yeah. There was no room service. You had a card in your room with Barney's Beanery. You rang them and ordered a burger and a beer, <laughs> and they brought it round. Um, uh, anyway, and in the course of this, uh, we're going to the Rainbow. What's the Rainbow? I don't know. Anyway, we all know what the Rainbow is. a famous rock club on Sunset Boulevard. On the Strip. On the strip. It's on the strip. It is the strip. It is the strip. It is the right strip. Right next door to the Roxy. Yeah. Um, off we go. And, and, it had a, and, it, and of course, it had a sign outside. A, yeah. An electric sign that said the Rainbow. That was supposed to have inspired the name of Rainbow, wasn't it? The it band. It did yeah. inspire the yeah. name of Rainbow. In yeah. fact, uh, Ronnie and Wendy was a waitress. Wendy Dio was a waitress right, at the Rainbow. Yeah. And the first time Richie Blackmore she was took working Ronnie as a waitress in a in cocktail the, in bar. In the Rainbow Bar. Yeah. <laughs> when I met you, yeah. Ronnie, you were walking <laughs> in beer. God, it would be amazing hearing Ronnie sing that. Oh, yeah. You were working yeah. as a demon in the <laughs> King and Queen Rainbow Bar. When a dragon came, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I d didn't know any of this background at the time, but it, it actually opened in April 1972. Yeah, listen, forget all that stuff. Get, just tell us about the time. Who cares when it fucking opened? Wow, just to... wow. <laughs> this new I'm passive to aggressive I'm to... wow thing you've started yes, doing. Yes. When did that start? When did that? Because I don't. It's new. I think it was the first time it's you new. broke my heart. <laughs> It's really, it sounds like a... Annoying. Well, you know when you get a cat that <laughs> learns to imitate a human voice oh. so that you pay attention to it? Uh -huh. It sounds like that. Ooh. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to sort of show how early doors it is. Yeah. Because the rainbow I went to in October 1980, by the time I got back there five years later, as that's how long it took, had subtly changed. And here's how it had subtly changed. In 1980, you know, the first time I went there, Led Zeppelin, I think John Bonham had just died two weeks before. You right. Know? So it was still, because Zeppelin had ruled that place in the 70s. And um, the sort of hangover to that was, by now Wendy's not there anymore, but um, the waitresses are all like chicks at gigs. You know, they're, they're, they're not particularly professional waitresses so much as <laughs> I just toured with Queen yeah. for three months and now I'm here, you know. Um, Which in the end, I mean, you know, 
What do you want? What That's are you what gonna, you want. What do you want, isn't it? You know, it's a, it's a short walk from the bar to the banquette. You know, uh, that's 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 a great line. It's a yeah. short walk from the bar to the banquette, and yeah. then head under the table. Yeah. yeah. Well, as you yeah. would say, um, uh, it was the same at the Sunset Marquee. The the girls that worked behind the reception desk were British and were literally thin Lizzie groupies that had followed them to America and never went home. So the rainbow was great. But you went up to you know go up to the first floor where yeah. the toilets up. I'm guessing. Well, fact, I don't, I, no, I didn't. I, I wouldn't have done that. You never went to the toilet. Well, no, I would have gone to the. No, there was going to the toilet, <laughs> and there was going to the toilet. If you know what I mean. Well, that mm-hmm. toilet in 1980, there was a door on the shitter. You know, right. the stall. And they that took, would be the most occupied. That'd be more yeah. occupied than the banquets. Yeah. Um, with people doing coke or whatever. Uh, and then by the time I got back five years later, they'd taken Took the, it off. the door yeah. off. Yeah. The idea being is you couldn't... But by so then... No one did. No, God no. No one did. Um, but I remember Jimmy Bain saying to me... <laughs> he definitely didn't. And he, he took me through the kitchen. They were like, right, Jimmy? Like, no surprise. <laughs> to the toilet for the kitchen staff, yeah. which did have a door. So that's where you ended up spending the night. But um, it, it just was, it, it was 1980, but it was still the 70s. Yeah, I get you. And I liked it very, very much for that reason. And, and these days you have a menu and all kinds of great stuff. Back then it was pizza and a jug of tequila and margarita or whatever. And get out your Coke. Get out your cock. Get out your cock. <laughs> <laughs> coke first, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that was my first experience yeah, of when the I was rainbow. still at school. Yeah, but what was I your was doing first? double maths when you were doing that. I was my doing... first experience. I first went to the rainbow. This is how far the rainbow had fallen, some might say. But I first went to the rainbow. It was probably like eighty-seven or eighty-eight, about then, whenever it was. Can't remember. And uh, the first person I went there with, or to see, I can't remember if I went there with them, but they were certainly there and ended up sitting with them was Blackie Lawless. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Was, and that was horrible. He was like a sort of big, horrible... Because you know he's really tall, isn't he? I mean, yeah. I don't know if people appreciate this. He's about like seven feet tall. Yeah. Well, and he was, also he wore well, the boots. Cowboy boots, mm. massive hair. So no joke, probably seven feet tall <laughs> from the tip of his <laughs> boots to the tip of his hair. Seven feet. No exaggeration. Not a word of a lie. And you remember... In the rainbow, all of the, the bonquettes, or many of the bonquettes, they were all red, like red, kind yeah. of like a boudoir. Yeah. But they were semicircular. Yeah. So there was a, and there was a semicircular sort of table thing in front of it. But so Blackie Lawless was there. He was like a horrible spider because <laughs> his legs wouldn't fit under the table. So he was sort of spread out, one leather-clad leg either side, one long arm either side, all the hair sticking out. And he's like looking around. And you know, he was like... To me, he never struck me as having much of a sense of humour, even though Wasp were funny. Yeah. I'm not sure he found them particularly <laughs> funny. And he'd done Fuck Like a Beast and all that stuff, you know. And he was being managed by Rod Smith. That must be why. That must be the connection. I can't remember how it came about, but Smallwood. So with it, so we go to that, and Blackie's sitting there, and it's my, my first time in the rainbow. It's like, ooh, what's this going to be like, you know? And there are all these women, like, sitting, you know, obviously sitting around and doing whatever they're doing. And Blackie starts going, yeah, the conversation dies. Ron's done his, hey, oh, hey, bloody, all this, that, and the other. Probably gone to the bar or something. And Blackie starts going, just Probably pointing. To the toilet. Yeah, right. He starts pointing, going, fucked her, fucked her, <laughs> fucked her. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> so you <laughs> missed your cue. You don't, you don't you go, say. Fucked her. You go, like a beast? Yeah, I do. Fucked her. Yeah. Like I, a should, beast? I was just like, I don't know what I and. Then you thought, this then, is great. I, I thought, yeah, this Let's is go great. to the toilet. Yeah, this is great. Where's the toilet? <laughs> so, and, and then, and then he goes, and then, like, the, we're sitting there for a while, and one of these women who he'd pointed at, she was, like, like giving him the death stare, you know. Which in L.A., a woman's death yeah, stare yeah, is like actually a, actual physically death stare. painful, yeah. And, uh, and I said to him, what's seen you know she's giving you the death stare you know and uh he goes oh you know prob- probably fucked her you know <laughs> that was his uh, 
And then, so then I probably did go to the toilet or went or Rod did something or Ray Palmer oh, or whoever yeah. it was did something. Oh, yeah. Turn round, look back. This girl is sitting on Blackie's lap and they're virtually, you know, screwing each other in the bonquette with these spider legs and spider hands going, I'm like, what the fuck's yeah, going on? Yeah, you know, what's going on? Yeah. So the coda Not to that... Pizza, the coda know. to that being that the... the the next time I went to the Rainbow, which was only a little bit later, and I'd done a sort of quick jaunt to LA because at the time, Spinal Tap, the band, right. they had flopped into. Yeah, it was a it was a period where they were you know they weren't famous. You know, they all sort of subsequently became very famous. The guy who's Derek Small's voices, The Simpsons, and has made millions of dollars. Michael McKean's a very famous actor, most recently in Better Call Saul. Um, the guy who's Nigel Tufnell gets married to Jamie Lee Curtis, who's a huge actress, and you know all of the, this is all there for some reason they're in a sort of a slump, you know, no one. And that label in the UK who were run by Razel's girlfriend, I don't oh, know if yeah, you remember, do you remember they were kind of something like Razor Records or something like yeah. that. Yeah, they get the rights to put the Spinal Tap album back out, oh, the soundtrack God. album. Do you want to go to LA and interview Spinal? Yeah, of course I fucking did. And and Spinal Tap turned up. Actually, at Nig- the Rainbow. No, Nigel Tufnell wasn't there. But no, no, Spinal Tap. Michael McKean, who was in full Davidson Hubbin stuff, like completely in the full at stuff. At the Rainbow. And even better. At the Rainbow. No, no, no. Let, let me. Think. Even better than that, had with him Janine, the actress who plays, plays his, girlfriend. his girlfriend. She was brilliant. She was. I think she really was. From memory, she was English. And she was like very, very, even though she plays an Australian, the famous Australian's yeah. Nightmare in the film. But she uh, she was, and she had all the scarves and everything on, very, very funny. And I, and I said to him, where do you want to do the interview? And he goes, oh, it's got to be the rainbow where all rock stars go to die. <laughs> That's what he said. So we went to the rainbow. So the next time I went to the rainbow after Blackie Lawless was David St. Hubbins and his girlfriend and Derek Smalls. It wow. was amazing. See that, really now good. that, I'm afraid That's that, a story. that beats... That beats anything I can tell you. Yeah, that was a good day. And wow. he said, I'm sure I've said on here before, Michael McKean, who was Dave's, said the funniest thing anyone who's ever, because obviously they're improvised. Most of Spinal Tap is improvised. And they improvised this whole interview, which was really fucking funny because they're going on about what's happened to them ever since. <laughs> Derek Small said Derek Small said he joined a Christian rock band called Lamb's Blood. Which <laughs> I was very, very good. But then he goes, then Michael McKean's going on about like Janine saying, has he had any surgery or something? He goes, yeah, he goes, okay. He goes, uh, I've had my teeth turned. And he goes, <laughs> said, what they do is they turn your teeth round. <laughs> so the, because <laughs> the backs are whiter, they're still white. <laughs> <laughs> he's just making this stuff up it's like really really funny and uh yeah so that was that was a really good they were, they were genuinely very nice and very funny and uh and i think we were staying at the Hyatt. we would have been staying at the Hyatt, the riot house which is where famously the last scene of spinal tap is at the on, rooftop on the roof yeah. pool so on we pool. must have gone up there i don't remember do we must have gone up there and well, that was talked if about. Ray Saucy Palmer Jack, was the photographer. That was his favourite hotel. Yeah. No, he did do some good. He did some really good pics of that because that was right. Michael McKean and Janine they they said they were into yoga, so they started doing these sort of yoga poses and stuff. So I think he took photos of that from memory, but it was funny. It was very funny. So I did Spinal Tap, and then try and think when else I went to the Rainbow. Probably a few times, but I don't remember. Well. Uh... By the time I got back there in 85, as I say, it was probably with Maiden, you know. In fact, I'm sure it was. But it's funny what you get used to. And you look back now, like you're talking about going there with Spinal Tap. I'm sure it was brilliant. But at the same time, it's just another brilliant day on Kerrang, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I remember being there with Steve Harris. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Um, in, in one of those half-moon banquets, whatever you call them. And uh, do you remember that girl, Laura Richmond? She worked. She worked in Kerrang as a as a what do you call intern. it intern? Yeah, we didn't call them interns though. Back then, it was just work experience. Work experience. That's yeah. it. She had got some experience. I'm she not sure did. How much of it was work. She did. Well, <laughs> anyway, she'd gone back to America and was now living in LA. And she had just done her first photo shoot for Playboy. Yeah, and she's on the cover. <laughs> right, and she she comes in to sort of see what's going on at the rainbow and I sit her down with Steve and the thing about Laura is a very beautiful girl but in person you wouldn't go oh that's a playboy model I mean she yeah. looked quite I don't want to say plain but it's normal but she just photographed brilliantly she was she, quite she wasn't very tall was she she was not yeah. a very short yeah good figure but freckly red hair I mean, lovely, you know, very nice looking girl, but you wouldn't go, there's a stunning model. Yeah. These pictures, you know, and, uh, and, and she, she goes, so what are you, a uh, playboy? And Steve Harris goes, leave it out. Cause she doesn't look like a playboy. Yeah. Model. Goes, leave it out. I don't believe you. You know, and she goes, she pulls the issue out. <laughs> And suddenly, yeah. me and Ari, I hadn't seen it either at yeah. this point. Me and Ari Ooh. are sitting there. You know, it's, you know, the thing that folds out and out and yeah. out. We've got all that going on on the table. <laughs> and he goes, can I keep it? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I can get another copy. Yeah, I'm going, what about me? Yeah. <laughs> Even though, you know, you're here now. I want the yeah. magazine. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I'd rather look at the pictures. Yeah. That's what you said. Yeah. Well, I didn't say, I'm far too suave a gentleman to yeah. put it so boldly. Yeah. Um, so, but that era, so that, that would happen. Um, I remember one night with Rod Smallwood, we decided the next day we would have a tennis match. Because <laughs> it, in the summer of 85. Because obviously, yeah, he looked at you and thought, yeah, there's an Andre Agassi. You had the same hair. <laughs> in 1985. Every morning I used to go and play tennis. Yeah. There was no gym in those days for me. I mean, I just, and you, you know, 26, 27, you get fit real quick. Yeah. All you got to do is run around a tennis court for half an hour every morning and you, you're in fucking good shape at that age. Plus I, I was good at tennis and um, Rod didn't know this. Although I had played Steve Harris. I told you about that, didn't I? No, fucking I hell, it slaughtered me. Yeah. Um, and we arranged to play tennis. And uh, Ross Halfin was going to come and join in or something. Yeah. It was in the raging heat of the rainbow. You know, it's midnight. Yeah! Yeah, yeah, I'll come, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah! yeah. Off to the bog. <laughs> tennis! Yeah. yeah! You know, and uh, I remember we, Rod Smallwood used to have um, a house in the hills. He did, yeah, behind the rainbow. Behind almost. the rainbow. yeah. yeah. And I remember, we did this more than once, but I remember this particular night, uh, he drove an open-top car. I don't know what it was, big open-top car. He drove while loads of us sat on the hood. Yeah, oh, yeah. Just going up this hill really slowly. <laughs> and it's all private police, so there's yeah. no, you know. And the house he'd bought, he'd bought it from the widow of Peter Sellers. He bought it from Lynn Fredericks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Sellers had bought it from J Jimmy Cagney. That's right. I heard it was Jimmy Cagney's house. Never knew if it really was. It really it was. Just was. Like one of those things where you go, oh, yeah, it was Jimmy Cagney's house. No, it really yeah. was Jimmy Cagney's house. Yeah. But Rod was the ultimate bachelor in those days. And pretty much all the rooms were empty, except his bedroom, which was basically a suitcase like he's on yeah, tour. Yeah. And whatever. Um, but so... All this stuff at that moment, I think probably because LA is just that kind of weird dream mm. state, you know. 
but I took it all for granted. And I, and I remember tennis, you know, got back about five in the morning to the Sunset Marquee. And I scrolled, you know, I need to leave a note because, again, no texting. Yeah. You wrote something down. And I wrote this message to Ross trying to explain how I unfortunately would not be able to make tennis. <laughs> and I'm trying to write all this shit. And at the bottom, I just wrote unavoidable <laughs> in big capital letters. And uh, the next day, he showed me the note. And it, it, it was something written by a madman. Yeah. He then had it laminated. <laughs> And used to wear it round his neck at gigs. <laughs> Mick Wall, look at that. And it'd be, oh, so fortunate, Rod, unavoidable. <laughs> Never did play tennis. No. Um, but so, so in this era where, like you with Spinal Tap, or when you and Lita Ford went horse riding, yes. and the horse appeared on the cover of Kerrang! <laughs> and no one else. Um it just was so you realized it was crazy but it was sort of all the time crazy and I, and I remember going there when i very first knew slash we went there he had no money so i had to pay um yeah but you had lots of money then you didn't care yeah i didn't care you I didn't just, care you just I, bought I it one dollar what do you want slash yeah what do you want have whatever you want you looked at the boat <laughs> have whatever you want that's what you said Diet or regular? Yeah. With yeah. ice? Yeah. Want a um, slice? Slice of pizza? <laughs> so we sit down, and literally at the table next to us is poison. Right. And at this moment, Guns N' Roses and Poison... Well, Slash had, 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 had mysteriously been in and out of poison by that point. Yeah, he? he'd joined the band, and yeah. I'm not saying he Got was fired. <laughs> After a day or something. <laughs> anyway, what a coincidence that the guy that replaces him, C.C. DeVille... Starts wearing a top hat. Yeah, yes, he did. Yeah, he did, and I hadn't obviously clocked the significance because these days Slash wears that hat everywhere he goes. Yeah, it's not because he's got a bald patch no, on the back no, of his head, no. which I've seen. It's not that. He <laughs> loves the hat. Back then, the hat was just for the stage. He never wore the hat off stage. In fact, by the time you get stupid, to yeah. by the time you get to use your illusion on stage, yeah. he's not wearing the hat. No, it's only recent times he's yeah. brought it back. I don't know why. Um, and suddenly this kind of bad vibes. Yeah. They're kind of like, hey, man, just to say, you know, we're all cool with you guys. And we don't, they didn't say we don't want no trouble, but it was that sort yeah, of vibe. Yeah. The Slash was like, fuck you. Where'd you get your fucking hat, you asshole? Yeah. And she's going, oh, I, no, man, I had yeah. the same idea. That's yeah, all, yeah. the same idea. Yeah. I'm sitting there going, oh, my God. Yeah, because it's oh not as if you're all wearing the same trousers and the same fucking cut-off T-shirts as well. <laughs> the same cowboy boots. Yeah. And I remember Slash explaining to me in the rainbow, this is 88, right? So AIDS has been a thing for a few years, but it's it, it's now going mainstream. Mm. From about 80, it's gone platinum. It's gone platinum. <laughs> it's, it's sort of AIDS has gone platinum. It's in Bill. Yeah, it's being managed by Rod Smallwood. <laughs> well, it had gone to that stage where at first it was, oh, it's a, it's a gay disease, yeah, yeah, gay yeah. cancer and all yeah. that crap that they said. And it got to the point, I mean, now where more examples... <laughs> Luckily, of, there was no one gay in LA, so no, exactly. it couldn't so have spread. They were safe. Yeah, they were safe, yeah. Um, and... Me and Slash were talking about this, and he was saying, look, it's going to happen. Rock stars are going to start dying of AIDS. And he said, once one of us goes, we will all go. He goes, because we all fuck the same porn queens. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, so do I. Of course I I do. Have you seen my Playboy? You got your Playboy out. Laid it out on the desk. She tried to get me to get Slash to the Playboy mansions. Yeah. Well, and I bet that was difficult. Yeah, because he's Slash, never been wanna, there before. Do you want to go to the Playboy Mansion? Slash? I'm there now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not just spiritually, I'm actually there. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. yeah. So the rainbow was what it was. And then, uh, in, in, not in any deliberate sense, just by chance, by the time I got back from LA in like 92, um, uh, grunge now came in and uh, I just sort of mm. not forgot about the rainbow but it just didn't come up because it was because you had fun in the rainbow 
you're not allowed to have fun anymore. I remember coming to visit you in the Raw office in yeah. like 93. This is when we'd all gone downhill. <laughs> we'd all gone downhill, but the good times were over by this point. Well, you got rid of you got rid of the good time guy. Did I get rid of you? I'm no, in Kerrang, I mean. Oh, you know. no, no, I didn't do that. Anyway, I wasn't such a good time guy, but a miserable bastard. That's what I mean. We were all, it, was, yeah, it was the era yeah, of misery. Yeah, it, all, it was. Yeah. We predated grunge with yeah. our misery. Yeah. They thought they were the first ones to be bloody miserable. Yeah. We, we were. <laughs> but I remember coming to see you, and I had cowboy boots on, um, believe it or not, l- longish hair in those mm. days. And completely realising, oh my God, I must look like Dave Ling when he comes in in his red um, spandex, yeah, you know, yeah, with a big pea stain down the thigh. You know, <laughs> I've seen that. Never, you can't, once you've seen that, yeah. you can't unsee it. No. Um, and I remember literally going out and taking them boots off and never wearing never, them again. Yeah, just chucking them away. Buying a pair of DMs that was the That was the, you know, the, the signifying moment. The day I took my cowboy boots off and never put them back on. You couldn't. You could, Grunge it, killed that. It was like when flares suddenly went out of yeah. style. You couldn't couldn't be seen in flares. I've got to say, I, what, what came into my head, I don't know if I've ever said this before on this podcast, but Wasp and Rod Smallwood being in LA reminded me, and this wasn't the same trip as the horrible <laughs> spider thing, but Rod took us to a Wasp video shoot. It was in L.A. and it was for some sort of song. It was called like... Wild Child? Bl- no, it was called like Blowing Free or something like that. Forever Free or something like that. Right. It was a sort of sit round the campfire. Oh, thing. one of those. So they decided they would do a video that was sitting round the campfire and they filmed it at like midnight. Well, kind of like Every Rose Has Its Thorn. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Sort of... And they filmed it at sort of midnight <laughs> in the hi- out in the hills, right? Out, you know, out where no one goes. Where no one goes. So Rod took me and Ray Palmer out there. So we drove out there and it was like, you know what it's like up in those hills? It's sort of vaguely kind of haunted, you know. And it was, yeah, and it was black. I mean, it was, there's no streetlights. It was black, black, you know, I mean, you couldn't. And then we go over this hill and you could see, you could see this campfire. And that's where, the, and it, well, actually what you could see was all the lights, the camera, right. light, you know, the right. lighting for the cameras and stuff. So we drive down there, it's like a little porter cabin hut that was the production hut, you know. And they're filming this thing. Chris Holmes is there, my mate, who I'd later go horse riding with. This is after the, this must be before the horse riding thing. And um, so I didn't know him at all. I didn't know any. I, so I there's no horse blackie. riding involved There's no at horse this riding. Stage. They're just sitting around the campfire singing this song, filming endless takes of this song. You know, they do the big, well, back in, I bet they probably don't even have to do this anymore, but they do a huge kind of playback on a, oh, yeah. you know, so the band so could hear the what music. they're miming yeah, to. Yeah. And then the band mimed to it. You probably sync it all up these days or something. Don't, don't even have to worry about it. But They um, don't even bother with videos. Don't bother anyway. with videos. It doesn't look good on your phone. Forget no, it. You exactly, know? yeah. So, but this was a big kind of production thing. TikTok. And uh, so anyway, we were watching this video being made quite yeah it's boring, boring. You know, and it was late and it was like cold because it's it cold the days and they go yeah well, why don't you meet the band at the sound check yeah and think, well, that's not going to be quite yeah, cool yeah, no yeah, you're no. in the most boring, boring spot but, yeah. on earth then all of a sudden right so all of a sudden we hear <laughs> and someone's taking fucking pot shots at the at the set <laughs> what We're like no seriously like this is like jesus christ so we all had to go into the little production hut, the little, you know, hut. And we're all huddled in there. Loads of people, because there's loads of people there, not just, there's like four of the band. There's me, Rod, Ray Palmer. There's, you know, a, a lighting guy, a camera guy, Ray three Palmer sound guys. Ray Palmer's yeah, yeah. worried that but, they'll take a bullet. And everyone's in, and, and what they'd work, what later transpired was it was just some sort of local, you know what people in LA are like? You come on their land, they shoot you. <laughs> well, piss it's about. the law. It's, it's the law. They are allowed to do and that. And he's obviously attracted by the lights. You know, there's these lights. And, and that the loud music. Yeah, because Probably there's the music no, was the yeah, intro. I mean, there's no, you know, usually there's nothing in this place at night. You know, bang, pshaw, bang. So like fucking nearly got shot. So we're all cowering. In the, I thought, oh yeah, here's bloody flying forever free Blackie Lords. <laughs> 
cowering in a fucking porter cabin. That's how, that's how hard he is, mate. Flying that, forever hiding. Exactly. That's how hard all of us were, <laughs> cowering in a porter cabin while someone desperately calls the police. You know, and uh, yeah, whatever it was, they got taken away and things must have carried on. I don't even remember. I don't even remember probably, going home from LAPD that. firing at you. Whether we went home when it was light or what, I don't remember. I just remember Rod was the I wonder if he'd even remember it now. But just like one of those one-off weird incidents in LA that used to happen. Just like weird shit that used to happen. Okay, well, I'm going I'm to offer a coda. Oh, good. Another shooting story. No, 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 no. About the rainbow. Oh, yeah. Because uh, 2019, um, I was over in LA a few times towards the end of the year for Wendy and also Doc McGee. And also at that time, I was uh, trying to do stuff for what was going to be a book about LA metal in the 80s. And... um, while all this is going on, uh, Wendy starts talking to me about a guy called Michael Maglieri, who who is the guy who now owns the Rainbow and the Roxy and the Whiskey. Right. Because his dad, um, oh, this is terrible. I can't remember Michael, the first name of Michael's father, but Mr. Maglieri Sr. He's the guy who opened the Rainbow and the Roxy along with all those... Uh, super crazy, powerful LA figures that were around in those days. Um, but Maglieri Senior has passed on, and Michael um, took over. He has his sons working there now as well. And Wendy said, um, "Well, we must go and talk to Michael." Um, and I was talking to Michael at one point about doing a book on the Rainbow yeah. because in, yeah. this is 2019. But in April 22 would be the 50th anniversary of it opening. It opened in April 72 with a launch party for the new Elton John album. Right. Which apparently was... Oh, that would have been hip. Very, very hip back in that... Very hip. The place very, to very, be. Yeah. That was after Elton had done The Troubadour and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so off we go to meet him and we get on great. Um, but as... The book didn't happen in the end. Lockdown, blah, 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 blah. But at the time, Michael gave me a little tour. And just, you know, so if you imagine the last time I'd been there, must have been 91. Mm. And it's now 2019 yeah. and 2020. I went I back. Got, and, I got rid of the bonk things. <laughs> no. No. It's exactly. Oh, it's exactly, as you remember it, except a bit more so. Right. So there's more memorabilia on the walls. But it, it, honestly, John, it's like I stepped out of the door in 91 and came back, back in, in 2020. It's still the same, yeah. And I went, and, and it still looks sort of a bit scuzzy and all that. He goes, you wouldn't believe how much money it costs me to make, make this look, place yeah, look, look like, like it used to. Yeah, look, yeah. Look, look like nothing's ever been done to yeah. me. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's interesting. I went upstairs to the toilet for a wee, but just curious. Door still off. Yeah. I went in through the kitchen. Yeah, there's the loo, you know. But it was it was very, very strange. Outside, I noticed a difference. Because outside now, if you remember, you'd kind of got the side, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, it was like a sort of car park or something. Yeah, like an alleyway that would yeah. take you to the car park. Yeah. Um, uh, they now have an outside bit. So where you would, uh, where, from your point of view, walk up that alleyway or yeah. whatever, and the door on the left, yeah. all that now is undercover. And you can eat outside, drink outside, smoke. That's the big thing. Mm. Because in the 80s, you would smoke inside. But they've got this huge gold statue of Lemmy. And and so the outside bit, which is where we spent most of the time, because it's hot and they can, all of them smoke. I don't smoke. All of them smoke. So we're outside for most of it. But I would go, it's like two in the afternoon. I was just wandering around on my own, you know, just thinking, yeah, all the ghosts. Yeah, my, and my own. Mm. Not that I have a huge history with the club, but just... And you sat down on a bonker and tucked down the side. <laughs> was a playboy. <laughs> and it was still there. Went down the very yeah. back and put my hand down yeah. the side. And there was yeah. Jimmy Page's plectrum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, that's what he called it. It looked yeah. more like a whip to me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it was quite amazing. And um, <clears throat> I couldn't believe how lucky I was that I was going to do this book. Uh, but it just never panned out in the end. Because, as you know, I, I got back at the end of Feb I mean, 2020. Yeah, yeah. Let's be fair, limited appeal. It would have been one of those things, you know. Wow. Because it would have to be a sort of picture-type book, wouldn't it? It would it, have it, to be a picture-type yeah. book. Yeah, but... So it's like you look through it. Yeah, okay. Okay. Still think. fun. It's fun. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not fun. Yeah, maybe. I've, listen, mate, you and I have done way worse jobs than doing a book about <laughs> oh, no, no, no. the fiftieth anniversary. Yeah, saying oh how awful Oh that would have been an awful job. Oh mm. no. Oh sub- no one have, would read I it. I guarantee you if you'd done it you would have phoned me up moaning about it. Guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed. Yeah but yeah. 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 And that's the truth. Well so if you were to go back to LA tomorrow <laughs> Right, yeah. Would you go to the rainbow? If I called ahead and got you on the list, got me on the list, yeah, I, I, yeah, no, I, I would, I'd stick my head in for old times' sake. I actually did a proper inter, recorded an interview with Michael ostensibly for my LA book, and uh, he was telling me some lovely things. He was saying David Lee Roth um, had been thrown out of there probably more times than any other rock star. Yeah, um, he said, but then would be begging to be, be- let back in. <laughs> He said, Axel Rose, he was like, oh, for fuck's sake. He goes, that guy he goes, we banned him so many times. And then yeah. five years go by. Oh, come on then, yeah. come on. Um, Slash was there all the time. But eating, you go there to eat just because it's one of those places you don't get hassled. Yeah. If you're him. But do you remember the clientele that weren't rock stars? Because they, they were like out of that Penelope Spherius movie where... They all looked like they right, were in yeah. bands. They're all in London. They're all in that <laughs> band, London, probably. Yeah. Who well, everyone was in. It's like Slash was in London. Was he? I'm sure he I was. I know Blackie was. Nicky Six Blackie, was. Nicky Six was, yeah. Loads of people were in London. Yeah. Had to be in London. Yeah, I don't think so. No. I bet he was. I think if you Googled it, you would uh, oh, find. Oh, really? Right. Well, we'll uh, see. Any callers out there listening? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do phone in. I'll now give you mixed number. Leave your phone. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Right. And on that crazy bombshell, do we have anything to add about the rainbow at this late stage? No. I can, be- <laughs> I can barely remember anything else about it. Had they, didn't they have a fruit machine at the bar or something? Uh, they always had a fruit machine and Lemmy commandeered it. Ah, okay, that's right. And yeah. then uh, probably over the years turned into a video game or something. Ah, uh, probably. Actually, did. this is a fruit machine. See that? <laughs> didn't they have a fruit machine? A one-armed band? One-armed band. Yeah. They did, and that's where Lemmy lived. Yeah. Uh, and his apartment was literally within walking distance of the Rainbow. Oh, see, that's if that I was lived his in one LA, stipulation. If I lived in LA, I wouldn't live there. What, one block away one block from, the from the rainbow? That's where I'd go, definitely. You'd live. No, you would. You're such a liar. No. Yeah. I'll be down there every night, mate. You know why? Because yeah. I rock. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you forget it. Yeah. Um, th- I'll give when- you again the words of Michael McKean. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. where old rock stars go to die. <laughs> well, it certainly was for Lemmy. Yeah. I mean, he... He didn't uh, die at the rainbow, did he? No, but as close as you can get. He well, just um, outside. Well, he, <laughs> no, Lemmy told me way back in the 90s, after he'd been living in LA for quite a few years, why he liked the rainbow. And he said, and it was very poignant. I don't know if he realised the poignancy, but as he was telling me this, I had that fixed smile because, of, mm. you know, he said, they're amazing. He goes, on Christmas Day, I go there and they fix me Christmas oh, dinner. That is quite sad. Yeah. Imagine on your own. Yeah. And I'm sure he would have had some friends and acquaintances. But, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to the Rainbow because they fixed me Christmas dinner. But when he died, um, I think it was Michael that was with him. They'd they'd taken him. Oh, really? They'd taken him a version of the game that he loved in the club so much to his apartment right right and apparently he was playing it and michael was sitting in the i think it was michael if i'm wrong forgive me pretty sure it was michael was sitting in the chair over there and lemmy's on the game next thing he's like i think he's gone 
God, yeah. yeah. So Lemmy really did live and die in many ways at the Rainbow. Yeah. Lemmy once said to me, talking about being big in America and Motorhead, and he goes, oh, I don't care about being big in America. I don't even care about touring America. I just want to be big in L.A. And I just want to, uh, I want to be a, do a never-ending tour of L.A. Because <laughs> he loved it. Yeah, no, I do. I mean, I completely get that. I love L.A. I'm much, much more. I don't really like New York. I don't, you know, there's lots of other bits of America. You wrote a book about L.A. I love L.A., man. What's the book called again? It's called My Life and the Beautiful Music. My Life Inside the Rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had that gig, but I turned it down. <laughs> I said, I know a little man who might want to do that. <laughs> you may remember him being in here from time to time. You may recall him from such scenes as Slash and Cece. Yeah. Take it out over yeah. a top hat. Yeah, and yeah. Jimmy and I go to the toilet in the kitchen, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that was that was the rainbow. <laughs> okay, bye-bye, bye-bye. Thank bye, you, callers. bye, bye. bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How do I stop this, Fern? <laughs> <laughs>